This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. We welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. I'm Bill Bryant. We'll be hearing from Representative Charles Booker, who's running for the Democratic nomination for the U.S. Senate in just a few moments. But first, he's been governor of the Commonwealth for close to two months now, and Andy Bashir has now put out the numbers that drive his priorities. In his State of the Commonwealth address, he talked unity and education. But after this week's budget address, many are looking at where the state's money will go over the next two years. Governor Bashir is now here to talk about that budget proposal and his first few weeks in office, and we welcome you. Appreciate you coming very much. Happy to be here, Bill. So, Governor, the budget is where you uh, put the dollars behind your promises and your priorities. You address a lot of areas that have faced cuts over the years, uh, in some cases with modest increases. Mm -hmm. uh, legislative leaders, they're still looking over it. They have expressed some concerns. Where do you think this goes? Well, I believe that a budget is more than just a document with numbers on it. It's a value statement. It, it, it says what you value and where you believe we ought to make those critical investments moving forward. I'm proud of our budget. First, our budget is responsible and balanced. It creates the least amount of debt as compared to revenue of any historic budget that we can find. We have more debt coming off the books in the next two years under this budget than we put back on. Uh, and, and in different ways that the dollars come together for the budget, it is more responsible in every metric uh, that, that you can judge it by. So the dollars are there. Now, I'm so proud that the budget we put together does not have to make any additional cuts because for 14 years, we have cut and cut and cut, and those are real services. It means we've had fewer social workers protecting our kids. It means we've had lost opportunities and sometimes even lost lives. But now we finally have a chance to invest back. Our investment starts with education, where we make historic investments in everything from teacher pay to increasing the SEEK formula, providing a new clean green school bus uh, for every school district, uh, funding textbooks for the first time in a while, bringing back a teacher loan forgiveness program and teacher scholarships, uh, ending the cuts on higher education for the first time in, in over a decade and actually investing back into it, creating a resurgence fund to help UK and, and other universities rebuild their, their crumbling infrastructure, uh, and actually providing more scholarship dollars especially to those that need it most to break cycles of poverty than we've ever seen. When you were looking uh, over those numbers and, and, and uh, seeing that you saw some of those possibilities mm -hmm. to, to restore some of the cuts that have been made, what excited you the most? Well, when I, when I saw that there was a path, because it took a lot of work to get to a place where we could end the painful cuts, uh, that was the first thing that I was very, I would say, gratified about because it meant that the people of Kentucky wouldn't suffer uh, anymore. Uh, a couple of, of, of areas, though, that, that I'm especially excited about. What we can do in public education uh, with these dollars, ending a teacher shortage, uh, truly moving forward, I'm thrilled about. I just toured uh, Carter G. Woodson Academy, uh, and, and to see what innovation in public schools can do is incredible. But the other area is I believe we can make a real serious difference in child abuse and neglect. We are number one in the country, and so those are our kids. Our Kentucky kids that are being abused at a higher rate than anywhere else. So this budget provides dollars for 350 new social workers for child protective services. That's almost a 30% increase, which means our, our, our workers won't burn out because they have more help. They have fewer files, which means fewer kids fall through the cracks. What it means 
so we will have less abuse and neglect in Kentucky. And if our budget can do that for, for that next generation, um, that makes it a good budget. Governor, as you know, the Republicans who control the legislature by supermajorities mm -hmm. uh, in each chamber uh, have said you identified some very important priorities and they share some of those, but they're really, again, putting some questions to some of the numbers. And the Senate President, Robert Stivers, referred to your proposal on that night as puppy dogs and rainbows, and he complained that Republicans were left out of the decisions you made about the numbers before you made your announcement. Uh, do you believe you can uh, overcome resistance uh, that there may be to your blueprint for spending? Well, I don't think it would be resistance to my budget. I think it would be resistance to, to progress, because for the first time in 14 years, the question isn't whether we can afford to help our families. It's are we willing, because the dollars are there. This budget is put together in a much more conservative manner uh, than, than Governor Bevin's last budget. Uh, there are things called fund transfers, one of the ways that we help fund the budget. Uh, those are dollars from areas where they have more money than they need to meet their mission. Uh, in Governor Bevin's last budget, he had 670 to $690 million of fund transfers. We have less than $300 million. So in every metric, this budget is responsible and the dollars are there. Now, as far as briefing legislators, Listen, I wish that we would have had more time. You know, when you're inaugurated as governor on December 10th, you got about 50 days to build administration to help you put together a budget and then build out a $40 billion budget when you look at the federal dollars, too. Uh, we were making decisions right up to the end. Um, and, and the legislators, they've been through a number of these. They get budgets. They've got a whole big crew of analysts over at LRC, and we got a lot of time to talk moving forward. So for Kentuckians who are out there watching and wondering how this process moves now, and the, 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 the House, of course, yes. will take all of this up, uh, will you be consulting with them, providing Absolutely. information to them about the decisions you made? Yes, so uh, our budget director has already met with um, the, the, the legislators that, that they single out to be the head of, of crafting uh, their version of the budget. Uh, the instructions have been to be completely transparent. We show where every dollar comes from. Uh, we show every projection that is, that is in there. Uh, because at the end of the day, my hope is given that the dollars are there, we will use them for really important causes. You did not call for casino gaming or base any of your budget on that. Uh, so it, it's, it's my responsibility to put forth a budget um, that is reasonable. And it was critical for me to provide a budget uh, that when they looked at the sources of new revenue, they were all areas that they have already started to go down. So for three of the four areas of new revenue that we proposed, there is a Republican-sponsored bill in or moving through the, the General Assembly. So the amount of new revenue and how we get there is not only, only very reasonable, but has already been proposed in all but, but one instance. Listen, I believe in casino gaming. We are seeing hundreds of millions of dollars go across the river or, or south to Republican-led states. Other Republican governors and Republican supermajorities and Republican legislatures are taking our dollars. Surely we can keep them here in Kentucky, and I'm going to push to do that. But I didn't want to create a budget where we could tell our school system that there are more dollars for them if it was based on something that I wasn't sure was going to pass this session. Your new revenue comes from? Uh, four different areas. A small increase on the cigarette tax, um, a new tax on vaping, which is absolutely necessary both to regulate it and uh, so that less people uh, vape. Um, we have um, 
sports betting in there based on the current bill that is moving through the General Assembly. And we have a, a small increase on the, the minimum fee when you create a limited liability entity. And when you do that, what it means is you're creating a company that you're not financially responsible for. It's like an insurance policy. And that's just gone from $175 to $225, which is just inflation. On the cost side, and you called it a moral issue, you put uh, more than $100 million additionally toward corrections. And yet you also said, right. uh, and, and made note, that uh, Kentucky has uh, more people jailed or in prisons than in most places in the world. Yes. Uh, what do you want to see in terms of criminal justice reform? Is that likely in this session? Criminal justice reform is a must both morally, when we are putting more of our people in jail than just about every other state, because our people aren't more criminal, we're not more violent, we just put more of them in jail, which, which, is, which is breaking families too. But it's also absolutely necessary based on our budget. So in the last budget, we had to spend $1.2 billion on corrections, and we have about $109 million on top of that. Uh, that's added to it. Uh, we can't staff our, our prisons um, based on their locations and the pay. Uh, we have crumbling infrastructure, losing almost 1,300 beds uh, for, for our prisoners just over the last four years. We must engage in a big, robust discussion and then get results on criminal justice reform. But I'll tell you, the appetite appears to be there. It appears to be very bipartisan. It appears that people are willing to talk about a lot of, of different ideas. And, and that we are all drilling down um, on important facts. Like we have more people going into our prisons and jails based on a revocation of probation or parole than any new crime. That tells us where our focus can be and, and where we can get the most results. I will tell you, if we decrease our 24,000 prisoners by just 1,000, we save $12 million a year. Governor Andy Bashir is with us. He's talking about his proposed state budget, and we'll ask him some other questions about his first weeks in office when we come back on Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Governor Andy Bashir is with us. Retirement and pensions have been a big issue lately, and uh, Kentucky owes about $40 billion uh, that it doesn't have uh, for, for those pensions right now. Uh, you... Uh, fully funded that uh, mm -hmm. arc, as it's called, in, the, in this budget, right? Yes. So uh, our pensions are a promise, and we have to keep that promise. Uh, what I will say is while it is a big payment every year, and it's difficult, as long as we're committed to doing it, uh, we can see light at the end of the tunnel. You know, the retirement system last year, before I was even elected, was showing how following this path uh, will ultimately get us where we need to go. But uh, this, the, the secret, and it's not a secret, is that with new revenue, uh, we can do that without sustaining the, the level of, of, of pain it takes from, from other areas. On transportation, you said that you want the Mountain Parkway expansion uh, speeded Accelerated. up. And you also would like more done with I-69 in western Kentucky. Does Kentucky need to raise its gasoline tax to put more money into roads? Well, transportation is absolutely critical, not just for our safety, uh, but for uh, the growth in our businesses. Uh, because of that, we want to focus on projects that open up whole regions. Uh, uh, increasing the speed of the, of the Mountain Parkway is going to open up areas of eastern Kentucky with a four-lane highway that haven't had it before. That creates huge amounts of growth in that I-69 bridge. And we're putting, I believe, we've got more than $250 million scheduled in our budget for that. It's going to open up uh, all of western Kentucky. We're also putting $100 million into the safety of our rural roads where we lose half the number of people as we do to the opioid epidemic. And so that's an area that we have to do better for our families. Uh, our transportation budget is a challenge. 
uh, based on the way that dollars currently come in, um, we are falling behind and behind and behind even on, on routine maintenance. Uh, to, to fix that takes some short-term and some long-term solutions, uh, but, but getting to that point takes bipartisan agreement, um, and, and we are having those discussions. Uh, the bounds of my discussions on that are anything we do that generates revenue uh, can't put that family over the edge that is just barely getting by, that's struggling to get to work. Uh, we got to make sure that we take care of our people in any solution. What is not in this budget that you would uh, uh, like to see in your next budget if, uh, if Kentucky can get there? While I'm proud of this budget, I'm proud that we're ending 14 years of cuts. You don't, you don't make up for those 14 years uh, all at once. And there are lots of areas that, that we need more dollars and, and more focus on. Uh, the one that, that hurt me the most not to get in there is funding full-day pre-kindergarten, uh, full-day kindergarten. Because if we fund full-day kindergarten, most every superintendent can add a year of pre-kindergarten underneath that, and that, that can change our commonwealth um, uh, forever moving forward. But what we did do is we set up a path to get there. We put aside $10 million for pre-K, especially in disadvantaged communities. And then we, we set up a savings fund uh, to help pay for full-day kindergarten and pre-K in the next budget. Looking to other issues, an immigration bill that would say no sanctuary cities in Kentucky is moving through the Senate. Would you sign that if that comes to your desk? Well, I want to see what the final version looks like. Uh, what I know from my time as Attorney General is we have no sanctuary cities, uh, and I had to certify that uh, repeatedly as AG so that we could get federal law enforcement funds to our, our drug task forces. I uh, want to make sure that critical places like rape crisis centers, child advocacy centers can continue to do their, uh, their work. Those issues are being addressed right now, I think. This concern about coronavirus is now worldwide. Uh, UK has put restrictions on mm -hmm. travel, so if some of the airlines. Uh, you have just appointed a new health commissioner, mm -hmm. Dr. Stephen Stack. Are, are you monitoring any concerns about, uh, about that? We are monitoring the coronavirus on a day-to-day -day basis. We actually had a, a call uh, with uh, the federal government yesterday at the, at the very highest levels. Um, we are getting uh, up to the hour at least updates on, on, on where it is um, right now. I don't believe that there is a, a reason for panic, certainly, but we are monitoring it and we will be communicating uh, with our, our fellow Kentuckians to make sure that they're all safe. But they should know uh, we are actively monitoring and on top of this as far as Kentucky goes. As we're approaching the midpoint of this session, do you believe when all is said and done this will be a successful session of the state legislature? I, I do, uh, and, and we have a lot of time still to come, and as you know, uh, it waits on the budget to, to, to really kickstart. A couple of positive things that I've been seeing right now, uh, bipartisan interest in criminal justice reform, and, and really broad, open uh, bipartisan interest. Uh, also, the tone has been better. That doesn't mean it's always better, and that doesn't mean people don't get their feelings hurt from time to time, but we haven't had any yelling at each other. Uh, we haven't had the nastiness we've seen, and a lot of that's on me. Uh, so my goal is no matter how people act or react, my goal is to set a tone where people can be proud of what we're doing and we can foster more cooperation. Governor, thanks for coming. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hope you'll stay with us now. Charles Booker, candidate for the U.S. Senate, next on Kentucky Newsmakers. 
Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. We're glad you're here on WKYT. State Representative Charles Booker of Louisville is one of 10 people running for the Democratic nomination for the U.S. Senate. Mr. Booker began his term in the House in Frankfurt last year. He's previously worked in the Department of Fish and Wildlife and has held some other government positions. Ultimately, he is hoping to unseat six-term U.S. Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the Senate Majority Leader. Welcome. We appreciate you coming in today. Thank you, sir. It's good to be here. Uh, Senator McConnell, uh, you know, uh, is entrenched. He has a huge war chest. A Democrat Amy McGrath in your primary has raised millions of dollars. Uh, where did you see an opening to jump in the Senate race? Well, you know, for a fact, Kentuckians are ready for a change. And this is something I've seen throughout my career, working in every level of government, organizing on the ground. Um, and it's an understanding that we have to take a stand now that it's not about politics and it's not about big money either. And one thing that I'm hearing all over the Commonwealth is that Kentuckians want to feel heard. They're tired of being ignored. They're tired of the political status quo because we're dying. And so this opportunity to stand now has really presented itself because Mitch McConnell has made it clear he doesn't care about us. And he's playing politics while we are rationing insulin, like I've had to do, or trying to make sure we keep the lights on, or trying to figure out what we're going to do when our job opportunities leave, like those folks um, dealing with Black Jewel filing bankruptcy. So the chance to stand now is really about acknowledging that we can't afford to sit down. You mentioned rationing insulin. Uh, has that affected uh, your, your view of health care? It has. Um, I tell everyone that no one should have to die because they don't have enough money in their pocket. And when I say that, I remember laying in the hospital bed. Um, I, I've had to ration insulin because I, I take a long acting and short acting. I'm a type one. And, um, you know, I've never had a lot of money. And I grew up on food stamps and free lunch. And my mom would work multiple jobs just to struggle. My super shero. Um, but there were times we couldn't afford my insulin. And um, as a father, I have two girls, my bosses. And it came down to me making sure they could eat for the week or get my insulin. And I'm going to choose them every time. And, and I was in the hospital with diabetic ketoacidosis, and I nearly died, and it was because I couldn't afford my medication. And it has really allowed me to see that so many Kentuckians share that story. So what is your approach to health care? Well, I believe that health care is a right, and that everyone, no matter where you are from, what your zip code is, um, you should have access to high-quality health care. Um, so that's why I am a strong supporter of Medicare for All, because it elevates the conversation the right way. Um, our system is very expensive now, and it's not sustainable, and Kentuckians are dying. And so we need to make sure that everyone all across the Commonwealth has the freedom to live a healthy life, to be a gainful, um, thriving citizen. And that's my aspiration, and I'm fighting for that. Many who have uh, observed your campaign have described you as running to the left in this primary. Do you, uh, uh, do you embrace that label? Is that okay with you? Uh, you are for such policies as guaranteed universal income, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, it's not about being left or right or anything. It's about fighting for Kentuckians. Uh, the people of Kentucky are my family. This is personal to me. And what I'm standing up for is the reality that while Mitch McConnell has become one of the wealthiest politicians in America, Kentucky has only poverty to show for it. Poverty is generational for a lot of our families. Uh, my grandparents passed it out to my parents. Uh, my parents dropped out of high school to take care of the family. And now I'm trying to prevent having to give it to my daughters. And so for me, this is a matter of saying that we can do both things to make sure that people in East Kentucky have good paying jobs and not left high and dry on the tracks. 
that people in West Kentucky have a chance to pursue their dreams because they have additional disposable income so that they can launch a business, they can pursue their education. Um, so it's not about being left or right, it's about doing what's right for Kentuckians. Your website also makes a major point, and you drill in on this, that you don't accept contributions of more than $200 from certain people and certain organizations. Uh, why? Well, I think it goes back to that original conversation about big money in politics. Um, for too long, the conversation has been that your voice only matters if you have a lot of money or if you have the most power. And I represent a lot of regular Kentuckians that don't have a lot of money in their pocket. And what I'm not going to do is sell out to corporate interests, to folks that do not care about our lives, and turn their back when we turn our faucets on and brown or orange water comes out. Or those folks that go down in those mines sacrificing for us and come up with black lung only for Mitch McConnell to turn his back on them. I'm not going to do that. In your letter to Kentucky, when you were making your announcement that you were running, you said that you faced a student debt after college. You also uh, talk about that. What do you think is the answer to, uh, to high student debt, and is, does that answer come from Washington, or is it something that can be uh, addressed in Frankfurt? Well, we're definitely pushing the effort here in Frankfurt, uh, well, in the state legislature to show leadership. And I'm proud of Governor Bashir making a bold declaration in the state of the uh, budget address that we need to elevate um, post-secondary education and make sure we bring down those barriers of, of affordability for Kentuckians. But it is something that needs to take place at the national level. Um, I have a lot of student debt, and I'm trying to remotely pay it down before I have to help my daughters advance their education. And so um, the model of student debt the way it is now, especially for a lot of struggling families, is criminal. People are being set up to fail, mainly because at this point, a college degree is the same as a high school diploma. We need it. We need to advance our education. We want to. Uh, but if we're coming from places where we don't have money in our pocket, poverty is generational, how do we remotely get ahead? And so I am in support of uh, the efforts to cancel student debt, to make college affordable, and certainly free for Kentuckians. Um, because it is a necessity. Representative, uh, you spoke out against a law in Kentucky that allows people to uh, conceal and carry guns uh, in the Commonwealth. As you know, uh, close to half of the counties have now passed uh, sanctuary uh, ordinances, or, or at least uh, you know, made note that they are on record as opposing gun control. Yeah. How do you uh, deal with that uh, headwind in Kentucky? Well, it's an important conversation, and I. I often talk to folks and explain that um, when I think about a firearm, I'm not thinking about a weapon. I was a director of Fish and Wildlife, and I know that all over the Commonwealth, a lot of people use a firearm for survival um, as part of their profession to take care of their family, and it is indeed their right. Um, but in order to protect that right, we have to make sure that we are also protecting our lives and our families and making sure that our rights are not being abused or manipulated. And so that means that we have to put protections in place so that we keep our families safe. We can do both. And that's the conversation that we have to have. We cannot go into our corners um, and let the NRA dictate how we talk about the issues that save our lives. Because the fact of the matter is with uh, concealed carry, permitless concealed carry, law enforcement was against it. Organizations on the ground were against it. A lot of concerned family members were against it. And what I explained on the House floor is that over the past four years, I've had cousins murdered each year. And while I honor and respect the right to carry firearms, I want to make sure that no other Kentuckians have to deal with the trauma of losing a loved one. Because when my cousins died, I died too. 
Politically, you're uh, very different from Senator McConnell, who is uh, holds the powerful position of uh, the Republican uh, majority leader in Washington. He uh, will say very often that he believes that influence is very important uh, for Kentucky. Uh, how would you be able to unseat him uh, if you run? He has won six times. Yeah. This is his seventh run for a six-year term. Yeah. Well, he was elected two weeks after I was born, so he's he's been putting his foot on the neck of Kentucky my entire life. And the way you beat him, we beat him. We built a movement. That's what my campaign is all about. It's, this is bigger than Mitch McConnell. This is about our future because once he's gone, we have a lot of work to do. And so what we're going to do is listen to the voices of Kentuckians. Kentuckians want real change from corner to corner. And it's bigger than politics. It's not a partisan thing. We want to do more than just struggle. We want more than just to have um, our loved ones die from cancer diabetes, opioid addiction, and have someone in the United States Senate say, well, I'm the Grim Reaper. We want more, and we deserve more. And so what we're going to do is build a movement, cast a vision that excites folks. My aim as a young man from one of the poorest zip codes in Kentucky is to say that no matter where you're from, how much money you have in your pocket, whether you walk in a wheelchair, what you believe, that you're important, that your voice matters, and you deserve a government that's accountable to you. So we're going to create a new model of getting involved, citizen leaders all over the Commonwealth for local and state office. We're building a movement for our future. I want to thank you for coming by. Appreciate it. Keep us informed on your campaign. I sure will. Charles Booker, candidate for the United States Senate. And 2020 candidates for president are descending on the Hawkeye State right now, a couple of days ahead of the Iowa caucus. Whoever wins will have some momentum in the race for the White House. Our chief national political analyst, Greta Van Susteren, explains. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. The Iowa caucus is the all-exciting unofficial start of the campaign year. And this year, there are new rules. That means things will look different this go-around. Monday, thousands of voters gather across the state. They will stand in designated corners at schools, churches, and community centers, signaling support for their candidate. A presidential hopeful needs 15% of the room to advance forward. If a candidate does not get that 15%, their supporters have three choices. Coax people to join them on their side of the room, move on to their second choice, or decide to not realign. Next step, a second count called the final alignment. Those results determine the number of delegates awarded to each candidate. In past elections, the Iowa Democratic Party only shared state delegate equivalents. This year, transparency. They are announcing results from each step of the process. So. We will get the raw numbers from the first alignment, the final alignment, and the state delegate equivalents. That means, depending on how you spin it, there could technically be three different winners. But in the end, the candidate with the most delegates has a head start in the marathon of primaries. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sunday. We take the show on the road to the Hawkeye State. Should be interesting as later today on WKYT at 11:30. That is Kentucky Newsmakers. We thank you for joining us. We'll see you bright and early this week on the morning news. Have a good week ahead.